Hi everyone, I hope you're all well. I've got a lovely guest today. It's it's very lovely for me because I think the last time I saw this person, he was probably about 10 or 11 years old. <laughs> so we go back quite a long way, but we haven't actually seen each other. He's a musician, a writer, a filmmaker, a photographer. He has a brand new album out now called Jude and it's fabulous. I've listened to it and it's gorgeous. So get a copy. And his name is Julian Lennon. Julian, hello. Oh, this is so lovely. <laughs> Hi, Triggy. It's been a few years. Apparently so, yeah. Too many to mention, probably. Um, probably. But uh, what, what is time and age anyway? Well, that's fair. Well, that's fair. I tell myself <laughs> my ripe <laughs> old age that every day. But I was trying yeah. to, we actually were talking a little bit before we started to record. And we were trying yes. to remember, because I know we did meet and you think we did. But, yes, for And my sure. memory is not great. But as you know, I loved your mum very much. We were, we were, yes. we were friends. Well, not close, close friends because obviously yeah. I was traveling the world. and But we would link up every now and again and have dinner. And I'm sure we went, I think I met you maybe at San Lorenzo, which was our kind of hangout restaurant. in. Yes, Knightsbury. it was. Yeah, well, there, there were a few of those Italian, yeah. you know, the, the crew there that all, all used to hang out on the weekends together. That's right. So I think that's where we met probably. I, I agree with you. I think but, so But, you know, too. you were a little boy, so, you know, it probably was – all but these boring grown-ups. <laughs> well, yeah, but I normally have quite a sort of photograph memory in, in sort of snap snapshots of times and places and not remembering the whole story per se, but just, oh, yeah, I was there with that person at that time, but I couldn't tell you anything about, yeah. else about it. That's and uh, I certainly remember you at some point back in the day around that time. Yeah. Well, as I say, we did hang out and, you know, and Paul McCartney is one of my oldest friends. So Yes, I, I, I always had a, f- a fond memory of uh, of an occasion together, but I couldn't put my finger on what that was or where it was. But I think you're right. I think it was yeah. San Lorenzo's sadly now closed. Yeah. Although it is sadly closed, and I think that was mainly to – well, I know it was mainly to do with – the dreaded COVID, because yeah. obviously it, it affected so many businesses, and um, but and and it did close down for COVID. But I, you know, obviously it was too big a, a thing to reopen. I think. Um, but the lovely yeah. thing is, I think I was started to tell you earlier that um, Lorenzo, who's still with us, bless him, he's about ninety six. He is in fantastic shape. He's incredible. He tells. We were, we were very lucky. My daughter, my granddaughter and myself were invited to his house in Sardinia a couple of years ago. And he cooked. Is that where he is now? Most of the time. He's got this beautiful cottage up on the mountain overlooking the sea. And, um, Although he was coming back and forth, but I think probably that's where he is most of the time now. Right, right. But he was incredible. He was telling stories from the war, and his memory is unbelievable. Unbelievable. Yes. And we got the best food I've ever had because he was cooking <laughs> Oh, well, yes, fabulous. I mean. at, at age nine, well, it, he was 93 then. If I can still cook like wow. that when I'm 93. <laughs> <laughs> But anyway, it's so lovely to see you, and I was so thrilled to know you were going to do this. But 
the main reason you're coming on because you've got this wonderful new album. Yeah. Tell me, tell me a little bit about. It's called Jude, right? That's correct. Lovely yes. title, and I yeah. love the picture. Just so for listeners, Thank the, you. the photo on the front is Julian. As I would guess, how old were you there? Do you think? Do you know? I would probably say uh, anywhere between probably eight, six, seven, eight, nine. Yeah. In that, it's a, in that it's region. a beautiful cover. And I love that it's coming out on vinyl. It's out on vinyl. Yeah, no, it had to. It had to. Um, now the uh, I, I, after the last album eleven years ago called Everything Changes, I just I'd been an independent artist for over twenty years, and without a label behind you and without support, it's a very difficult place to be seen or heard. So I thought I didn't think I was going to do another album again. But about four or five years ago. Uh, I received a box from a basement in London of my ex-business manager. And in the in the boxes were lots of tapes, mm-hmm. different formats, reel-to-reel, that kind of stuff. And in short, uh, I went through the tapes and found some songs that I loved that I just never used before on any previous album because they, they didn't really have a home in other projects either. So I started working through these, and I just thought, you know, this stuff is pretty good. Of course, the pandemic hit, mm-hmm. and then uh, the person I was working with, Justin Clayton, my oldest friend uh, who co-produced this with me, he had to go back to England where he was living. And then uh, we had to figure out how to finish the album, you know, because we didn't know how long the pandemic was going to last for. I know. So <laughs> then I started to work on some new material. And so I was flip-flopping between what I was finding in the old box of tapes and the new material I was writing until I had enough for an album. And I thought, well, I would only want to do EPs, uh, release EPs, because there's a lot less emotion and pressure with doing something like that than there is doing a whole album. You know, it's an emotional journey for me to do an album. So... Anyway, I was convinced by a very lovely gentleman that uh, called Hartwig, who, who's the boss at BMG. Uh, and I'd also said that I'd never sign with another label again. But uh, lo and behold, here we are. And, <laughs> and, and it was just for this album, you know, and the, the, there was, um, you know, I trusted him. I believed him. He was going to let me do, well, we agreed that I was just going to do what I wanted and he would support me at the end of that. And here we are. Aren't I right in saying that this label, BMG, they do, it's a, it's a good label because they let people kind of do their own thing. It's not about making the next pop hit record, is it? They, they sign on people. It's about that... long, longevity. It's about longevity and a backstory and a bit of a history. And uh, I've certainly got one of those. Um, and so, <laughs> well, we, well, we so, all have. <laughs> yeah, we, of course we do. But you of course we you do. certainly do. Absolutely. But was it lovely when you started re-looking at those older songs that you hadn't looked up for? I mean, it must have inspired it's you. Been, it's been, well, listen, the songs span about 40 years. Wow. So it's uh, it's kind of like the journey from where I started to where I am now. And so that was part of, you know, why it was called Jude. The other reason why it was called Jude was because legally, uh, up until 2020, I was my name was John Charles Julian Lennon. Yeah. In my passport. Um, and that, had, uh, but I'd always been called Judy, Julian by everybody or Jules. And so it was a bit of a thorn in my side and a, a little, little bit of annoyance being the second John, so to speak. And, <laughs> and, and, in, and in 2020, I just wanted to be me. You know, I really did. I, yeah. uh, 
And so that by deed poll, I changed it from John Charles Julian to Julian Charles John Lennon. Because, you know, people, you know, if I was traveling and went through airports, security, this, that, they'd look at my passport and go, whether they recognize me or not, they would go, John Lennon, ah, that's funny. Or oh, are you related? Yeah. You know, oh, yeah. and, but after, you know, after after many many years of smart quips uh, and then some, <laughs> you think so... you get smart quips with my name? <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm I've sure. Got, I, I've got uh, one. That I you've been the, through the mill as well. Yeah. Um, I had one once from a taxi driver who said, "Yeah, you got a pretty in New York, of course. You got a pretty yeah. face, but from the neck down, forget it." <laughs> wow. Wow. I was okay. very young and very thin. <laughs> yes, understood. Und- yeah, well, uh, yeah. So I know what it's like. I yeah. know what you go through, but you kind of you live with it. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. I just felt it was time. So, you know, uh, I wanted to be me, so I changed my name by Deedpole, therefore becoming Julian legally, uh, hence Jules as well, which is my nickname. And of course, Hey Jules was what Paul originally wrote, which turned into Hey Jude. So for me, it was about taking ownership of the name and the history uh, that I'd been involved with, like it or not, you know. And it was a, it was for me, it's been a shedding of a skin. It's been uh, uh, the end of a chapter. It's, it's, uh, you know, I'd reached the point in life, especially with this promotional tour, where. I've pretty much answered any and every question to do with Dad or the Beatles. I bet you, uh, you know. Have. Th- there's no stone unturned. <laughs> so I just felt this was a time that I would take on that mantle of being the person talking about any of those issues instead of being asked about it. And so telling my side of the story. And uh, there we go. And actually, the 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 signature, the writing, is actually mm-hmm. Paul's from Aww. his. Uh, because I, I have his arrangement notes. Because hey for those who don't uh, know, and I think everyone probably does know uh, this, I, that yes. Hey Jude, Paul wrote for you. Mm. Am I correct? Yeah. yeah. yeah tell the story right. because I don't want to get get it yeah. wrong. I think most people know this, but just tell it. Yeah. But <laughs> so when, when yeah when Dad was uh, deciding he was going to uh, end the move out and end the the marriage, Paul was absolutely devastated by this and, and uh, concerns for not only mum but for me too and how I was going to deal with this was a as a kid in that position and so for the most part the song was you know all about support and being there and you know again taking a sad, sad song and making it better which is what I've been trying to do all my life you know but I feel uh, I feel, really feel that I've found that spot now where I've moved on from all of that but I think a lot of people don't understand that you know as well as that being a song of support and you know it's a, certainly a sing-along without question and i've probably heard it more times than anybody else on the planet <laughs> um so i have a love really hate relationship with it anyway sure. but but that you know that there is a darker side to the story which is that it's you know it's a reminder of a very difficult time where you know, Dad walked out the door and left Mum, Mum and me on our own. So, yeah. uh, you know. And as you know, you know, songs, be happy songs, sad songs, are very, very emotive. And a yes. song can take you back to a time and a place more than maybe it maybe a smell can as well, but mainly well, a photog- song. Photograph can do that too. Yeah, well, I that's think. true. But, yeah. And it's interesting because yeah. you are a photographer as well, aren't you? Yeah. That's well, interesting. you know, quite a few years, probably 10 years ago, in fact, when I, I kind of decided 
I'd had enough in the in the in the business. And I thought, what are the other things that I want to do that I have passion about? So I set out on my own mission um, to see what I could achieve outside of music. And so mm. I'd already started the White Feather Foundation, which helps a lot of people around the world, uh, that has a few, uh, you know, particular campaigns that we follow. Uh, but you can go to the website, anybody. Yeah, well, interested. I wanted to ask you about uh, that because yeah. I read it in yeah. your bio and I, I didn't know about it. But but, but carry on right. with the story. So, we'll go into that. In yeah, a yeah. So so I, you know, I'd started the White Feather Foundation. I'd also been involved in. Um, uh, exec producing documentaries, uh, independent documentaries about uh, humanitarian and environmental issues. Mm. And also, a couple of years back, I wrote a trilogy, New York Times bestselling trilogy of children's books. Um, Brilliant. Again, dealing with environmental and humanitarian issues. Just starting conv- the conversation, because yeah. I used to remember s- sitting with mum or nan you know, being cradled by them at bedtime or nap time with a book in front of you. Yeah. My books at the time were Rupert the Bear. But, <laughs> but I, 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 wanted, I wanted to write some books that started the conversation, that took the uh, the child and the mother uh, or father in, in, into the journey of the book. And for the kids to say, well, okay, but why don't they have clean water? Or why is there plastic in the sea? You know, so to motivate not only the child, but also remind the parent that, you know, we're in a lot of trouble, you know, on many levels. What is wonderful, I think, because obviously we never got into those issues when I was at school because I'm a good generation before you, but my – I've got a granddaughter of seven and a grandson of two and a half. Well, he's too small, but my seven-year-old granddaughter, the the schools are really – um, teaching this now. now because she comes home and tells if we go in the park together which yes, we do yeah. a lot she'll make sure she's got a bag with her to pick up any rubbish look that didn't go in the bin bin she calls me mimi mimi that yeah. they didn't put that in the bin so i'm going to put it in my bag and i'm going to put it in the bin you know yeah. they're very very and she was telling me the other day about what's going on in the ocean so it is wonderful that schools i yeah. think all around the the Western world anyway. Well, I think we're um, finally be- becoming educated about all mm. the stuff that we really didn't know about. I know. Past, you know. Well, uh, somebody from, probably knew. Well, but <laughs> no, a lot of people did know, but nobody, uh, you know, the general public didn't yeah, know what no, was I going agree. on half the time. I agree. Uh, but thankfully, you know, this generation is uh, aware and, uh, you know, they do see what's going on and they, they – they understand that, you know, for them to survive and have a happy future, they need to protect uh, the planet for themselves these days, you know, regardless of what the parents think. No, no, and they are very aware. It's amazing that, you know, a seven-year-old can come out and start telling me things that I didn't even realise because they are learning it at school, which is brilliant. What are you drinking, by the way? I've got lemon and ginger. Uh, yeah, oh, no, it's uh, no, uh, PG tips. <laughs> Build, builder's brew. Where you do know. you live, by the way? I mean, you don't have to tell me specifically, but what country yeah. do you live in? I forgot to uh, ask In France. You. I'm in the south of oh, France. Oh, oh, uh, I've oh, been there for about, lovely. about 20 years. I was living in America for 10 years in New York and L.A., and I just I was invited back to um, to see a film a premiere of a thing, a movie called The Backbeat about 
the Beatles in the early days in Hamburg. I, I came back for it, and then an, an acquaintance said, have you ever been to a Grand Prix? And I said, no. Uh, and they said, do you have any interest? I said, not really, but, but what am I going to do, go back to L.A. and be numb? Um, so I said, no, I, you know, he said, well, listen, come down to Monaco for the Grand Prix. Uh, it's, it's, it's on me. So I went down and this was about 30 years ago, maybe wow. when it was still chicken wire fence and cars coming at you at 200 miles an hour, um, <laughs> which, and no, let me, t- let me, that was thrilling. That was thrilling. I, you know, and I had a summer there and I just went, you know what? I, I, I had a caretaker, I had a little bungalow in the hills in L.A., uh, and I just called the caretaker and said, listen, pack the house up, sell it, I'm not coming back. And, and that was it. And I've been there ever since. But, you know, the, again, the work, whether it's for the foundation or photography or, or, or a documentary work, I, yeah, I'm always on the move. So I'm, I'm, I'm rarely at home, you know, which is a, a good and bad thing in many respects, you know. Can you speak French? Je comprends un petit peu. That's all no, I can I, say. I, yeah, no, no, I have a relatively good understanding of French, Italian, and Spanish because of oh, wow. my first my first stepfather uh, was Roberto Bassanini. Yeah. I knew who, him, of I course. Knew him. Yeah. Well, I was going to say this is yeah. this is I think where the Italian connection comes yes. in with San Lorenzo. And that's why so was, I think we met there because yeah. I didn't meet. I didn't meet you with – I only met your dad once. Okay, okay. Um, and he was with your mum and it was – do you know – I'm sure you know a photographer called uh, Norman Parkinson. Yes, wonderful, I, yeah, of course. Wonderful, of course. wonderful. Yeah. Mad, yes, mad, mad, wonderful yes. man. Who used yeah. to wear kind of mad hats and big flowing robes and had a big moustache. He was terribly English and he had a big moustache. Yes, mustache. yes. And, yes. Um, and he was getting on – for the time I worked with him, but he had a garden party in his house in Twickenham and right, your okay. mum and dad were there. And right, I literally, okay. we said hello, that was it. But I kept in touch with your mum. Yeah. So yeah. I think the San Lorenzo link was when she was married to... Um, to Roberto. To Roberto, who was lovely. Yeah, yeah, who I loved. Yeah, no, he's a very naughty boy, but I loved him. And he, <laughs> yeah, he, he, you know, even after they separated, I stayed in touch with him and his family. They were, they were my family, in fact. Aww. I mean, aside from mum, so I, I have a lot of love. Have always had a lot of love left uh, oh, that's for nice. them. And uh, sadly, it's only the the father uh, who's left out of the whole family. They've all passed. Oh, for, my gosh. For, yeah, I know. Very sad. I mean, very yeah. very emotional. Um, yeah, that's really sad. Oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, because there's stories for days on that, you know, that I, that, that, cra- I, that crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine. Because if, if it wasn't the San Lorenzo's, the other place would have been, which was one of my favourites, all-time favourites, was the Merid- Meridiana. Oh, yes. Um, which that was, was, on, qu- was that the one on Fulham Road? Yes, that's yeah. right. That's right. Yeah. It was the, uh, the circular one. one. Yeah. Yes, yeah. which I, which I loved. I, I went. Yeah. There oh, it could have been there because we used to hang out there quite a lot. Uh, yeah. I, yeah. I know. I know that a lot of people met there as yeah. well. Anyway. So, with this album coming out, have you been on tour with it? Or are you going on tour? Oh, no, I've been doing promotional work on this for since the beginning of the year, and you know, making all the videos for all of that. So uh-huh. I, I've. I've been doing months and months of 
predominantly Zoom and FaceTime and that kind of yeah, yeah, this yeah. kind of interviewer. But in that way, you can pack a lot in, but it also becomes exhausting. Exhausting. Doing that routine. And uh, and then uh, for the last month, I've been in Los Angeles again, working because the team, most of the people that I work with are based out there. So I'd be doing this all morning and then I'd run off to do rehearsals with a band, waiting for the call to get on a TV show, you know, to perform. <laughs> um, so I'm not in the, in the touring zone yet. I, I'm... I'm I'm not even sure I'm going to tour, but I'm I'm thinking about it. Um, it, it depends on the right circumstance and the right mm. situation, and it would be it would be limited engagements. I I just don't want to do that again. I've been there and done that, and I I you know I love all the other work that I do, and you know uh, so I I don't want to take time away from the other stuff that I've now all the behind the camera stuff, which I love far. <laughs> Far more than I do being in front of the camera, um, you know. <laughs> yeah, but if you're doing, if you're playing your music, you probably don't even think about the camera in front of you, right? Well, I mean, no, not, not like... in a live, not in a live performance. Yeah. but you know, we'll see. But also, I would think being, I've never, I mean, I've done mini tours of things in the past. Yeah, but I would think doing a major tour is exhausting. Absolutely, all the travelling and different hotels. Yeah. Oh. oh, absolutely. Some people love that. Some people yeah, love that's true. that. And, they thrive uh, on it. But but also they don't do all the other stuff that I do. I mean, some do yeah. a fair amount. Uh, but you know, I again, I prefer to have that variety and that broader uh, scope of yeah. uh, of projects, and because uh, uh, that keeps me alive that keeps me bubbling over forgive me for not knowing but have you done a photography book have you done a book of your photographs not yet that, that's oh, on the card oh, I, well, maybe I, I should inspire no, but, you to do it you should you should <laughs> I, I i want to i really do um I, I we just haven't got around to it I, I it was only a year ago or so that i got my first ever photography agent uh, okay. before that i was before that i was micromanaging myself for years um, so I didn't necessarily have the contacts or this or that. And I worked with uh, Leica cameras for many years and did uh, uh, an exhibition at their galleries all around the world. So I've done quite a, I've done extensive exhibitions with photography. So I just haven't got around to a book yet. Oh, you, you must, know. though. You must. Uh, no, I, I, I want to do Although several. Although I would I've think got... it's a lot of work because going through it. I don't mind. Um... I, yeah, I don't mind that. I, I, you know, again, I've got a good team around me these days, which certainly makes all the difference. You know, yeah. really, really does. So they can they can help with all the all the kind all of the ad, admin, all the admin, <laughs> which you know is what I love so much. Oh my it's god! It's like me. I'm, I'm the most I'm the most untechnical person in the world. But I've from doing I've been doing these. I started the podcast when COVID came along. Yes. And yeah. You know, I could just about turn my computer on, quite honestly. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But I've, with Kobe, my lovely producer, who's helped me yeah. a lot, you know, I've learned a lot and I can do much more technical things than I could before. Yeah. And my well, husband's like even worse this. than me. He can just about turn the TV on. And if it's on satellite instead of the other you thing, know, half he goes the into time panic. I don't know. Half the time, I don't know whether it's better or worse to know about all of these things. And I, know, uh, I, know. I have know. I have very mixed feelings about social media. I mean, I am on social media. Yeah, but I I do it 
very minimally. Yeah, I think if it plagues you every day, uh, it, it's 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 a problem because you I know. know. I, I, I read I, I read I, a piece I, the other day about a girl who she she said I, I've got to come off of it because I spend something like. 18 it's hours a day. I, I it's destroying people. People don't even know how to communicate properly yeah, anymore or, meet people or what the outside world is really like. It's no. astonishing, you know. No, I agree. I, I like being out there, you know. I like being out in the world and seeing the world, experiencing people, cultures. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, well, you know it's, but a lot of kids don't even know that no. really exists. You know, they're so... You know, in, I, I uh, found some... Some the other day I was going through some box of some sort, and I found some letters from friends, not any yes. personal love letters yes. or anything, but yes. from when I was living in LA and they were in London, and we wrote letters to each other. Right. And I bet yes. nobody writes letters anymore. Well, I, I mean, and they're rather the, wonderful to reread and have. The and, one thing I love is Mum always used to leave notes for me. Oh, you know, yeah, so that's I've. Lovely. I literally, I, I did think about doing a book for, for her, you know, uh, called uh, Cynthia Lennon, My Life in Pictures and Postcards. Oh, that's uh, lovely. You know, I'll do it. Just, that's lovely. Yeah, no, it's on, it's on the list. You know, it's on the list because, uh, you know, some of the stuff that she'd written is beautiful. Aww. And some of the old, uh, again, when she passed, you know, there were about 35 boxes that came to me. Uh, I mean, there was a lot more but I, th that were more personal. And I started finding all these notes and pictures of her at three years old that I've Ooh. never seen in my life. So a lot of that stuff, and it was lucky. It was in a garden shed. I almost lost it ever, uh, all because oh, it was all God. chucked in a garden shed, and it was a lot of the stuff was moldy and starting wow. to disintegrate. Um, and I think we'll just save the, the stuff in time. So I've been cataloging everything and uh, oh, you know, scanning oh, I think everything. Be a fabulous book. Yeah, I'd love to do it. I will get around to it. I certainly will. But you haven't. I read in your bag that you've that there's a foundation in your mum's name. Yes. Well, I have the foundation, but yeah, in the White Feather Foundation, which I have, which I started uh, many moons ago. After Mum passed, I set up a scholarship in her name. Oh, a scholarship! The, I beg your pardon. Yes, okay. the Cynthia Lennon Scholarship for Girls, and oh, uh, we, we we put girls. I, I went to Kenya and saw the nightmare situation a lot of the young kids, and especially the girls, were found themselves in. And uh, so I vowed to try and help them through that. And I decided because it was mostly girls that it should be in mum's mum's name, and it's to put them through college and university, etc., so that they can uh, they can uh, you know have a better life ahead and uh, for their families too. So that's just one of the many things that. Uh, we do, but yeah. Well, I, you know, I think, I think, and I, I, I understand, you know, it's your mum and it had, mm. to, you know, it had to be girls, but I think girls do usually in those countries get the rough end of the stick. And oh, like no question about it. Muslim no countries, because it. for some reason they don't think girls should be educated, which is unbelievable. The <laughs> other thing is, you you know, the, it's about teaching the boys too, because they've been t taught the old ways, which are, and not the new ways, you know. No. Uh, it's no, not the same right, world. Actually. So that's just as much a key uh, to saving and helping the situation than, uh, yeah, than just, uh, you know, putting the girls through. Yeah, so absolutely. So it's important.
Yeah. How did you cope through? Where were you through uh, the the two years of COVID? I, I was in France. And how was it? I mean, I can't remember. I know it, it it was very bad in Italy. How was it in France? Was it really it, it bad? Was, I can't it was, remember. It was close to that. Yeah, well, Italy is only half an hour from where I am. But um, oh, okay. Yeah, no, I I wasn't allowed out of the house uh, unless you had a piece of paper saying oh, what wow. time you're leaving. You can go out for an hour. But uh, uh, you've got to say what you're doing, whether you're shopping or going for a walk. Uh, wow. You were only allowed in, within one kilometer of where you lived. And I, I'm close to the sea, not next to it. But So that meant half of my kilometer was taken by the sea and the beach. <laughs> and, uh, and the problem was you weren't allowed to go to the beach. You couldn't even sit on a beach and get some fresh air. Why? You know, or, it was part, I don't know. They felt that That's people weird. would be sunbathing or socialising on or the beach. Or too many people would go to the beach, yeah. Yeah, exa exactly. But you, 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 I thought, you know, I just want to sit on the beach and get some fresh air. It's a rocky beach just to breathe in yeah, after exactly. being locked in the house. But, you know, I know other people, friends of mine, that had gone to places like Costa Rica where there really wasn't any problems. And for two years they're on a bleeding holiday. I'm going... <laughs> Are you kidding me? I'm stuck in a box here for two years on and off. While you're, well, they, you know, they couldn't leave. They wouldn't let them no, leave. No, no, no. They, they, they weren't even wearing masks in Costa wow. Rica. It wasn't really bad. So people were just living a normal life while the rest how of us were, were imprisoned in our own homes. You it know, is it a, weird how it hit place, some places much, much worse than, yeah, what? I mean, I've never really understood it, but. No, no. I, I, I mean, mean, we I, just, we, we were in England. Um, and we, yes. funny enough, we just bought a, a house down in the country. We live mainly in London, but we just bought yeah. a, a house um, down by the South Coast, funny enough. And yes. um, so we decamped there, really, because I, I couldn't, yeah. the hardest thing for me was not seeing my kids and my grandkids. But, of course. Um, but I, you know, Lee and I, we had each other. So we, and we, because it was a new house, there was a lot to do. I mean, it was, yeah. it's an old house, but when you move into a new, and we had endless boxes to unpack. So <laughs> it kept us big. And luckily yeah. we had a garden, but my heart went out for, you know, people who lived in, you know, one bedroom apartments in a high rise with three yeah. kids. Uh, I mean, how, yeah. how did, pe how yeah. did, how do people cope? It's well, unbelievable. Even my, uh, my, again, my dear old friend, Justin, um, he, he was living in London, still is, but he was in a, a one, one bed studio, oh you know, for God. all that time. Uh, you know, and I, if I thought I was in a difficult position, my God, I mean, I don't mm. know how he survived, to be honest with you. No. I really well, don't. I, well, I, I, I think the mental health issue is still ongoing from that. Uh, no question about that. For, uh, for many, many people. And especially for, teen for teenagers and people in their low 20s, because that's, that's the time you socialize. Yeah, but we didn't know how, if... Where, who, what, when, where, or how it was going to end? It was like I know. there was no clear sign that the yeah freedom. Group, you know, I'm in the upper age group. It was really yeah. scary because you turn yeah. on the telly and they say, you know, anyone over, you know, sixty five, you've got to really be careful. And you know, and Lee and I were both over sixty five, and it, nobody knew. Yeah, well, this was <laughs> the problem: was that kind of being in limbo, just going. Okay, are we going to get out of this? You know, does it end like this? Is this is this it? Know. You know, 
Um, so it was a, a worrying time, to say the least. But, but really... did you have you got a studio down there? Did you go in and carry on with your writing? And well, this is how the album came about. You know, oh, okay. is that I had these boxes of old songs initially, and you know, uh, there was nothing else to do. I couldn't travel anywhere. I couldn't work on any mediums that I normally work in. And so I, I turned to music again, and that's how this all came about. And it was about working, uh, working my way through that, and uh, and you know, finding some answers, or or at least uh, looking in the mirror and saying, you know, what's happening here? Who am I in in all of this? What does it really mean? You know, uh, am I happy? Am I sad? If I'm sad, how how do I change that? How do I find balance in my life? How do I find peace in my life? So it gave me a chance to go through a lot of those emotions to to finally reach a place where I'm going, okay, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, I'm not going to take that anymore. Yes, I'm going to move this way forward. I'm not going there. It's only positive, only forward now. And and so that that was a big change for me. Good. Excellent. So you see... I mean, I've talked to lots of, I mean, because I started this podcast in COVID. So it's been yeah. lovely for me because I didn't feel completely shut off. And I was catching up. I started it off with mainly friends that I knew. Yes. Like, oh, well, they'll come on. They'll do it for me. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it's broadened out and, and it's lovely. And it, and, it, and it was a way of staying in touch with people because everyone yeah. was in the same situation. Yeah. But it's lovely, like you, how many people created through that time. So good things have come out of it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, and I think I think you know there's quite a few of us that uh, you know never really been in the Zoom and the, this kind of mm-hmm. world of camera yeah. uh, interaction. But I've got to say, it was you know once I submitted myself and said okay, <laughs> you know, it was a way that a, a, a lot of us who are on our own or fearful to stay in touch and just see a friend's face and just say. Are you okay? Have you, are you, you know, are you surviving this? You know, I, I, it was almost like the weirdest therapy session, yeah. two-year therapy session. But also, don't don't you think having, you know, we've all gone through this together, apart together, apart. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, that it's made us. Well, it certainly made me and my people I'm close to rethink how we live and how we uh, interact with other people and yeah. how we've, because uh, everything was going so fast and it was all about success and money and yeah, yeah, yes. yeah. You know, it was like, Matt, it was getting mad, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And suddenly I mean, because we couldn't carry on doing that. Yeah. It, no, it, it was, it was in many respects, uh, you know, at times a real moment of peace. It mm. was like, Thank you. The world has stopped for a minute. I can That's breathe. Right. I can think about life. And also those stories, which I know you must be aware because you make films about it, but yeah. the thing that amazed me, the wonderful thing about fish coming back into certain oceans because oh, yeah. all the no, ships absolutely. weren't there and That's birds right. and That's animals. Right. Refi- yeah. I mean, that, that's got to be it. That's got to be a lesson, hasn't it? Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, um, I, this is, I just I, hope I mean, we don't I, kill I, it again. Well, <laughs> I mean, a lot of us are fighting against that, but it's very, very difficult with the commercial world that we live in. But I do remember sitting on the terrace outside. All I could hear was the bird in the trees, the fountain splashing the water, and the wind in the trees. And I went, 
isn't this beautiful? Isn't this magnificent? You know, and really taking in a, a real new appreciation for, for the nature around. And uh, it was quite frightening and quite sad once things opened up again because all the noise came back on every level, you know. Uh, but I try and keep as much of that memory inside uh, as possible just to, to remember those moments. And that's partly why, you know, I do what I do in fighting to keep uh, the, the planet and the people and, the, and all the cultures alive and well as best yeah. that I can, you know. Well, everyone, if everyone does their little thing... Every well, little, it. every, it's like a jigsaw. Everything absolutely comes together. I'm a big jigsaw fanatic. So uh, that's, okay. I, that's what I did in lockdown. I did jigsaw. I did okay. jigsaws and knitted lots of sweaters. I, for my, no doubt. I love to knit. I used to love knitting. My grandmother taught me, Lillian. She taught me. Oh, and yeah, the first her. thing I knitted was like one of those old Doctor Who scarves that's like a rainbow oh, color yeah, that's, that's right. yeah, 12, yeah, 12 foot you. long. Yeah, I, I did that for Dad's birthday once. Oh, it's very good therapy, knitting. It was, actually. It really is. And sewing. I sew as well because I put my music on, get my sewing machine out, get my material, and I'm lost to the world. And I've got something to wear at the end, or somebody has. <laughs> I just want to say, before we wind up, that um, I didn't get a copy of the album until yesterday. Uh, very late I did I asked for it but it only came through yesterday but so I and I was out and then we went out for dinner but I have I did play it through once it's gorgeous thank it's you gorgeous. thank you Trudy. and I, uh, I just yeah. I, you know there's a, every little moment really hit me it was beautiful I'm gonna thank play you. it again you know because you need yes. to play an album more and I love love don't let me down that's gorgeous as well. they were the two that hit me and Gaia of course that's amazing at the end thank you thank you How, that, what, that tell was... me that about that because I read that it, it was a it was a, a piece of music you loved or something am yes, I right yeah I I, I have a, I, a number of friends in a band called Snarky Puppy there are 18 <laughs> <laughs> there are 18 uh, people in the band give oh or take God. a few people and what they they're probably some of the best jazz, initially jazz musicians from around the world, but they play world music. And uh, I know two of the, the main guy, Michael Leake, who's the who uh, is a bass player who put it all together and an artist in his own right, and Bill Lawrence, who's a keyboard player, uh, who's a, a magician in that regard. And, um, yeah, Bill Lawrence had an album uh, that came out. Uh, it's mostly instrumental music, Um and the only way I could describe it was would be like Blade Runner meets Steely Dan. Uh, no, meets <laughs> Keith Jarrett. Meets oh, okay. Keith Jarrett. Um, and uh, so it's. But there was one song on, on his album that I loved, but I kept hearing it differently, and it just said France to me. It said the Eiffel Tower. It said love. And I, I was working with him at home, and I said, "Listen, do you mind if I have a go at reimagining the song?" He, he he didn't quite understand, and I said, just play it on the little, little white piano there, and I'll sing along with it. And so he did, and, uh, and then he got it. And so I said, okay, just play the whole song. I'm probably going to chop it up to bits. And so I, I, I did that, and it was just the piano, and I kept hearing this girl or this French woman's voice talking over it, like 1930s, 40s, 50s, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. very romantic, you know, je t'aime, and I was going, scrolling through social media, and I hear this 
this French girl speaking and singing, and I'm going, uh, you know, I got goosebumps. And so I tried to find her. She lives 20 minutes away from me. No. I said, I, yes. That's I said, would you, would you mind <laughs> considering, you know, just talking over the front end of this? You know, the song is about, it's, it's about, uh, it's a love story really about uh, Mother Earth and humanity mm. uh, disguised. And um, so I said, that's what it's about. So the next day she comes back to me. She's got the, she's on her iPhone. Uh, and she's got the music playing in the background. So it sounds like it's an old radio already. Yeah. And she's just speaking these incredibly beautiful French words and sentences that she's written. And my jaw dropped. I went, this is what, this is what was in my head. And mm-hmm. so I took the original piano out and put her version with her little iPhone, uh, com- uh, you know, uh, vocals at the front of the song. And then she said, do you mind if I, if I write some more? Uh, and then she wrote uh, the chorus with this melody that not in a million years would I have, if, only if you're French would you come up with this kind of gentle, beautiful, mm. romantic, with deep. And and it, the, it was difficult because there was no particular arrangement, but I just tried to make a bit of a story, a bit of a journey out of it. And then Paul Buchanan from the Blue Nile, I not, don't know if you're familiar with his work, Paul Buchanan is one of those Scottish, uh, it's the end of the world kind of vibe. Anyway, oh, okay. <laughs> I, 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 I manage, he's the one that sings in the middle of the song. So I, oh, okay. He's a, well, it's, he's it's, a, mag- it's magical anyway. I loved it. Thank you. So it was, a, 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 and I, a, the one last thing was that I, I had 10 songs for the album, but I felt it needed, I kept seeing the number 11 around. <laughs> all year, and I thought I I need the I need a number song. eleven. I need a number eleven, and Gaia, Gaia was number eleven, oh, and it was the perfect it. end to the album. So there you go. Fantastic! Oh, it's been so so lovely to meet up again after many 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 years. So maybe maybe our paths will cross at some point. I hope so. I really, I hope so. That I'm would sure be we've got. Well, we talked. I mean, I'm going to go now, but we talked off air about both being friends with Peter Frampton, who we both mm. love and adore. And I, he, he did my – I think he's coming over to play the Albert Hall, actually, in November, uh, I think. Soon, I think. Yeah. Uh, pretty soon, yeah. I'm going to try and catch him somewhere because I know yeah. this is probably one well, of the Well, maybe we'll last... see each other at the Albert Hall if you can. You never know. <laughs> if I'm around, if I'm here. Yeah, I would love to. Well, it's been an absolute joy. Good luck with the album. I'm, not that you need it. Everyone needs every little help. I know. Listen, this is a funny old business in a funny old world. We all need a little bit of that magic. But, you know, that was serendipity that that young, beautiful young French lady lived 20 minutes away. Uh, Who would have figured, eh? I know. Uh, Organic. That's what I love, how things come together like that. that. I do. Anyway, have a lovely rest of your day. And thank you for coming on and talking to me. It's been absolutely smashing. Thank you very much, Twiggy. The moment I heard your name, uh, this was a possibility. I said, yes, please, oh, let's you. make it happen. No, of course. How could I not? Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you, Twiggy. All right. And I'll talk to you soon. Bye. Well, that was fabulous for me to catch up with Julian. What a lovely, lovely man. And he's doing fabulous things. His film work is environmentally friendly and working on his new album. And also his vinyl recording of Imagine is coming out this winter. 
but you can order it now. So try and catch up on that. Anyway, it was lovely to see him again after all these years. And I hope you have a lovely day. Bye. If this is your first time listening to Tea with Twiggy, please do remember to tell your friends. You can also subscribe for free on your podcast app and listen to all my previous guests. If you want to connect with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can find me on Twitter at Twiggy or you can find me on Instagram at Twiggy Lawson. My thanks go to all the people that have helped this podcast happen. Many thanks to James Carroll and all the team at North Bank Talent Management. Thanks to all the team at Stripped Media, including Ben Williams, who edits the show, my producer, Kobe Omanaka, and executive producers, Tom Wally and Dave Corkery. The music you can hear now is my version of Waterloo Sunset by The Kinks. If you'd like to hear the whole song, you can find it and all the other songs I've recorded on iTunes and Spotify. So check it out. I look forward to you joining me for my next episode. So see you then. Bye. You just heard a stripped media production. Hi, my name is Kay Adams, and to be honest, I'm not so good with the ageing process, so I enlisted my old chum, the filter-free Cara McKenzie, to advise. Could you imagine being a porn star? The room would need to be really hot for me to strip (laughs) off. (laughs) To be honest, she's not much help, but she is rather amusing. And along with some great guests, Joe Brand, Andy Oliver, Anton Dubeck, Ruth Langsford and Craig Revel Horwood, darling, we are learning how to be 60. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.